This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, so we're holding here. So we're going to do a little bit less. I just I don't want to cut everybody out. Yeah, you, you were right. Perik Shlishi right here. You said it. Okay. So like we said before, these chapters are just a description of the world. Um, in, in the um, Rambam's understanding, th- th- there's an almost seamless connection between the physical, the, the, the quasi-spiritual, the spiritual, and, and like, was, like as it was understood once upon a time, that natural science, that science and philosophy are, are just, um, they're the same, the, the, the same um, discipline. I'm going to, so we'll, we'll skim through much of it just because I want to be thorough a little bit and go through everything, but okay, so the third chapter he starts with the Galgalim. Now, let me explain what Galgalim are. This was the understanding that was, um, that was extant at the time, and you, you, the world had the earth at the center, and there were nine circles around it. Now uh, let's let's uh, understand. Just um, I, I I just need to explain a little bit about how people understood things. People were keen observers, and they had only their eyes, mm-hmm. and they would sit down. They would sit and they would um, look around at the world around them, and they would say to themselves, "What do I see?" So if you're sitting and on an open field you're going to see the following things up there. You're going to see um, eight, seven or eight entities that keep moving, keep moving in relationship to everything else, mm-hmm. and then a trillion things that's, that move as one unit. So the sun you'll see moving every day around and around. You'll see the moon moving. You will see things called planets they're called planet means wanderers and you go you will see through Saturn um, those are the planets you'll see you'll see Mercury Venus Mars um, Jupiter Saturn um, basically those are things that you're going to see you, you probably will not see anything more than that and then you will see all the stars together as one unit they never move in relation to each other they just move in their position in the sky so basically you're having, um, you ha- so so it was envisioned as circles. It wasn't clear whether it's as if, like, what's the correct picture? <laughs> Are those circles like uh, slides? Um, I guess um, rails, where a monorail, where the planet or the sun moves on that on that piece around, mm-hmm. or is it? like a, a gem embedded in something and th- when it moves the whole thing moves around with it so it's as if it would be frozen in in the in the, in, the, in a um, in a in a circle and this circle itself is an entity that moves that was the piece that was unclear and um, didn't make all that much of a difference uh, there also was a need to explain um the, the, there was a need to explain how the s- sun goes back without being seen there might have been a need for an extra circle for that, but by and large, that was the picture that was seen, um, which is 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 a perfectly valid way of looking at it. 
it's not we, we need to understand that um, you know as long as our calculations work whatever picture we have is correct um, it doesn't it really doesn't make a difference this, this, this the Rambam is not taking this from the Gemara he's not claiming he says at the end of uh, one of his other chapters that he took this from Greek um, from the, the Greek astronomy and it's fine it doesn't you know it's not none of it is really relevant theologically all that much so he goes through he says there are these nine circles he says we have th the closest one is the lunar one and then we have Mercury we have Venus we have the Sun we have Mars we have Jupiter we have Saturn we have the stars and then we have another circle that circles back in the other direction. Um, it's, it's also, it closes everything else. Um, and then he, he goes on to explain, he says each one of these, each circle has many layers of circles. Um, he says these circles have neither weight um, nor real colors. And the colors that always the colors that we see are simply optical mirages. In other words, it's just the, sort of the way it refracts us the light. Mm -hmm. But but the, the blue is not, which is very very accurate actually. Um, they also don't have any taste or smell. Basically, the point that the Rambam does say is that these entities don't have any physical properties. And it was it, it, the significance of it to Rambam was that there's always going to be a midpoint between two levels. It's, it's something of, of, of existence, and something that, if we can think a minute, is true to us as well. For instance, um, between the, the, the um, vegetable kingdom and the animal kingdom, we might have something like bacteria that are neither here nor there, and we can't really get a, a we, we can't fit it snugly one or the other between the inanimate and the animate we have viruses which are somewhat living and somewhat not living between man and animal we have monkeys which are somewhat human-like and somewhat not there seems to be it almost seems to be a pattern in the Bria that we have a hard time making exactly defined segments because there's always sort of a midpoint and, and, in, and in a different way of looking at it that's very significant we have that in Torah we have the written law that's the Torah but in the Torah itself the fifth part which is Dvarim is the midpoint between um, it's Moshe Rabbeinu saying over what Hashem told him so it's as what Hashem told him, but it's already Moshe repeating it. So that's the beginning of the next phase of Torah. Between um, Ksuvim uh, and between the Nach and Torah Shabbat Peh, we have Megillus Esther, which Chachamim said um, they didn't want to put it in. It didn't belong in, 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 in Tanakh, but it was pushed into Tanakh. So that was kind of something that should have been oral, but it was written. So that's that's the midpoint between Gemara, so to speak, and Mishnah, and the Ksuvim. We then have something like um, it, it, the Gemara is between the Tanoim and Amoraim. The Gemara, the Gemara picks out a um, the Gemara picks out the um, Rav 
as being a Tano Pali. Even though Rav was technically an Amora, he was able to argue with a Tana. Um, we have in the Ashik Nesagdola, the last one of Ashik Nesagdola is the first person to appear in a Mishnah. Shimon mm-hmm. uh, uh, was the first person that we have uh, chronologically that we have some record of his in the Mishnah. So it was always kind of there's a continuum, and and the continuum is expressed by having midpoints. Mm-hmm. So the heavenly bodies to us sitting here, they're visible. So it already makes it physical, but in our eyes, all it is is fire. It's something that no other sense uh, relates to it, and and the, it's all fire and motion, light and motion. So that for us is sort of we have a, a picture of something which is quasi physical, quasi spiritual. That's and that's why it's significant not only as a, as, a, as a, an astronomical description. It's significant in what its place is in the world. Okay, four. He says all of these. Um, all of these spheres are round. Um, the Earth is in the middle. This was, I, I mean, even though people, I mean, the idea that the Earth is in the middle and the Sun is around it, the 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 um, the, 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 the the model of making the world the center of the world, the Earth the center of the world, is something which. Is um, t- we obviously it's today we don't look at it that way anymore, but um, it, it, it never really had roots in Judaism. Um, it's interesting. There is no place that discusses that. There are verses that speak about the sun going down around the earth, but I have a counter to that. It says also about the sun. The sun is like a groom marching out of the chuppah. I don't think anyone imagines that to mean that that the, that the sun is dressed in a kittel and he's and and he's being danced mm-hmm. in. It, it's it's a metaphor. It is certainly appropriate that the metaphor of the sun to us is sun that rises in the morning and and sets. It, it it's only very late, and and when you know when when the Copernican um, way of, of, of understanding the motion of the planets started becoming popular. Most rabbis were fine with it. There were one or two who felt it's wrong, but I don't think it has. I, I, one would be very, very hard put to find clear mm-hmm. proof to, to the contrary that the Torah that the Torah has any position. The Catholic Church had a very vehement position, mm-hmm. but I don't think we have to stand up for them. They, they you know, let them take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was no, there was no. In the Rambam paints the picture way he understood it, the way the way it was understood then. That's fine. Um, he says some of the stars have their own little spheres. Um, that they rotate around, and part of it is, um, I guess it's obvious to anyone who's done all science, no, no one can see what goes around what. That's the, it doesn't go fast enough, but if we stand and map out the different, um, the different sightings of the planets and the stars that we see, if, if the Earth were the center, it requires a tremendously agonizingly complex Circles and mini circles, especially if you're assuming that that motion is only circular, that then, then it requires a staggering amount of complexity to draw the picture. If the sun is the center and we're one of the things going around the sun, a, a simple uh, circle or um, parabola would, would do it for us. And 
it obviously makes more sense to go with the simpler. But, so that's why the Rambam says each, each, some of these stars have their own small inner circles and, and, and sub-circles because that was needed to give that. Um, the, the Rambam then lists how many there are and, uh, and, he, um, and he says all of this, the Rambam says, is part of astronomy and he says and many, many of the of the um, many of the of, of the, uh, the the Greek scholars have made runners worth of those works. Aristotle was considered to be the scientist, and this is coming from there. That's what he's saying. It's not coming from anyplace else, um, which is fine as long as long as it stands proven. It's perfectly right and perfectly legitimate uh, from Torah point of view. Um, then he says there is the ninth which is which circles everything around and that is split into 12 parts let's understand a little bit about this Um, because this this is helpful to understanding the um, many different chazal and so on what what are what are the what is the zodiac and what are the mazolos that we speak about? So let's let's understand it as follows. Stars can, if you look at the stars, you can see them as clumps of stars. There are groupings in places that have more stars, and some of the prominent ones have a. Um, cl- they they seem to suggest a figure of sorts. Um, now. Being that the sun and the stars, it, what happens is, being that we're circling the sun, we see a different segment of stars at a different part of the day each, each period of time. In other words, um, imagine, as you, let's say somebody's spinning you around a room, you're going to see different parts of the room. And if you, let's say, imagine yourself, somebody is carrying you on his shoulders around the building. So you see different parts each time. Imagine also that you are making a circle around the person. So you're on his shoulders, but you keep spinning around. So the difference is you'll always, so, so with every circle that you make, you'll see the entire building. But at different, it'll be at different segments of your circle. So the part of the sky we see at nine o'clock in the morning, or the part of the sky we would see at nine o'clock in the morning in in, um, in September is very different than the one in April, and very different than the one in June. What we we see the same layout of stars, but depending on the time of the year, the the stars that serve as the backdrop for when the sun rises. Is going to be different. The the astrologist saw in this a, 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 a tremendous um, sign of sorts as to what the muzzle is. Because they felt that the stars influence the world greatly. The Rambam does not hold like that, but this was the this was astrology. Um, they felt that the sun rising through a certain um, clump of stars infuses some power and, and that's the dominant muzzle. So in other words, whatever it is that forms 
the the mazel is the significant that, that's that's the type of time it is that's the that's the type of um and that's where you have this mazalos um so, so the ramams needed a backdrop in other words everything is against the backdrop and that's the ninth and that's that ninth sphere um he then says the, the the um he says that those spheres that, that w- when we speak about these stars being um one in the spring and one in the summer and, and one in the in the winter he said it's not constant anymore which is correct and because there is a difference between the, the, the year of the sun and the year of the of, of the stars he says they were true at the time of the marvel they're not true today anymore they've moved so what Chazal spoke about being true by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that it was Mazel Flair, it no longer is accurate. That's what Ram says, and that's quite right. Um, so, 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 whenever, whatever we speak about these Mazalas, they were true specifically at the point of origin. But um, today, that's not true anymore. Okay, eight. He says, um, all the stars that we see, some of them are as small as uh, as small than the earth some of them are much larger than the earth and now he gives a number he says the earth is is bigger than the moon four times the sun is bigger than the earth 170 times and you know there by the, the reckoning the the moon is one six thousand eight hundred of the sun and he says there's no star bigger than the sun and nothing smaller than one of the stars on the second that Mercury, I guess. Um, again, I, um, I, it's, it, I, my assumption is it's taken from Aristotle, and I don't know how he proved it, but whatever it is, that was their understanding. Okay, nine. This is already a, a um, theological point, and it's a point that the Ram holds up there. Some disagree, many disagree, but it's up there. The Ram says all of these stars have a certain level of soul and understanding they are alive and they're <laughs> aware of the creator each one depending on on his stature and they praise god like the angels so whenever we find we find many times in psalms praises that the that these stars and the planets give to god you could learn it as passive entities. In other words, looking around at the, at the awesome planets, it's a tremendous praise to God. Or the Ramam learned it that quite literally, that they themselves were living entities and praised God. Um, it's, it's, it, 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 on a, from a theological point of view, it's a great argument between the various Rishonim. I believe many of them do not hold like the Rambam. But that's Ram's position that all those psukim are quite literal, um, and he says, and just like, um, just like they recognize God, they can recognize themselves. In other words, this consciousness, self-awareness, and they they understand the angels which are above them. He says th- these the celestial beings are one above man, one under the angels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard. We're not going to. And we're looking for life in the outer space. That outer space itself has life. That's that's a that's something that uh, we'll, ne- we'll never really know. Um, but that's Ramos' point. Um, the um, and, and you know the, the 
the Rambam elaborates on this in Mordechai. It, it's really, really. Either way you go with it, it's not an essential point, not an essential theological point, but it is his point. Um, and then he says that the. Um, then he goes down and he says, between the moon and the earth, there is another entity. And basically, let's explain what he refers to over here. Um, the, 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 uh, yeah, the ancients understood that there are four uh, elements that the world consists of, which was a very reasonable position if, if the only instrument you had was your eyes. So if I can categorize everything in the world into, into classes of things, I wouldn't choose colors, that doesn't seem so important, and it changes, but I would say solid, liquid, gas, energy. Um, that's how the Greeks saw the world, as for, and everything is a combination of these various things. Um, so the Rambam says, so this obviously exists, in other words, it's as if the elementary particles of the world are these four elements, and then the world itself is a, a very complex composition of these particles. So the, the Rambam says they exist here, as a, um, they exist here as a combination of all, all of these particles. So there's a stage, so to speak, where all of these things are um, are still in their pure state. They're just, they're just elements, and they don't have yet their their specific state. Um, he says, um, and and so so each one of these there's, there's the world of water, the world of wind which is gas, the world of earth, and the world of fire, which is energy. He mm. says these four elements do not have any knowledge, awareness, they're inanimate. And each one um, has, a, has a, a, it, it is, it has natural laws which it does not perceive, does not understand, does not really, um, has no consciousness, no self-awareness. It's it it literally is inanimate, and, that, and that's it. Um, okay, I think we'll hold it here. It's the end of chapter three. So basically, we've sketched out the important points. Mm -hmm. Chapter four, he will also continue sketching it down to the world, to the earth. He's going to recap some points that are important that he said before. And uh, he's going, and then we will skip five and six, which deal with halakhas actually, and come back to seven, which goes back to prophecy and so on. Okay. Does he go into any detail about what, like, what do you mean, like the stars having awareness and awareness of the no. creator? It, not really, not much more. A little bit more in the next chapter uh -huh. he's going to say about it. But it, it's, um, there's not much more we can say about it, you know, except that it's there. I, I know there's no, no sense. He's, he puts their awareness, their consciousness as being above man's, in other words, being much more. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and to him, it, it was necessary because you need to have that continuum. You, man to angels is a very big jump. And something in the middle that, has, that is, bridges that gap which is quasi-physical, quasi-spiritual, mm. is what he wanted to put in. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Good. Where are you, Fionn? Uh, in Washington. Good. Yeah, stay in <laughs>